Shut up and sit down. Properly, I don't know uh, what's going on with it, but anyways, I'm going to kind of not start talking about the topic immediately, so for those of you who are on the podcast, sorry if you tuned in for the topic, but um, I'm going to give my regulars a little bit of time to get into um, the podcast before I get started on the topic. Anyways, today I was out with my mother, and... um, My mother's at that age where she says pretty much exactly what she's thinking, exactly when she's thinking it. And she doesn't care if you like it. She doesn't care if it makes you mad. She doesn't care if it's embarrassing. And yes, even I have a threshold for being embarrassed. Um, She doesn't, she just doesn't care. This can be good and entertaining, and this can be 15 kinds of terrible. And there's never any in-between with my mother. It's going to be terrible most of the time. It's going to be terrible what's going to come out of her mouth. (sighs) Here's what happened. My mother and I were in the cafe. I'm sitting there minding my own, never mind. I'm just writing. You're welcome. And she is just jabbering away at one of my... I'm not particularly fond of this person, but she's in my writing group. So I tolerate her. Um... And uh, she copped an attitude with my mother, which I don't appreciate. Um, And I told her, I was like, you need to watch your mouth. That wasn't even in the conversation, right? Um, And my mom was like, yeah, you need to watch your mouth. And I'm like, mother, (laughs) what are you, 10? What was that? My mother. turns to this woman and says, you need to fuck off. My daughter doesn't even like you. This woman has been a part of my writing group for 15 years. And my mother just told her that I don't like her. Here's something about me you don't know. I can lie to somebody over the phone, but anybody who knows me and is looking me right in the face knows 
I have zero ability to lie to someone's face. I mean, I can I can do it. I just don't do it well. And it's never going to be good, right? And she, this woman turns me with all wound, you know, wounded Bambi eyes. And I'm like, of course I like you. And she cried. She cried because she knew I was lying. I don't like her. I never have liked her. She's been writing the same book for 10 years. And before that, she was writing another book with the same exact premise that she wrote for, God, I don't know, eight years. And then she gave up on it. And it was like 300,000 words when she gave up on it. And this current one, it's only like 250,000 words. And if I had been writing on a book for 10, for 10 years, I'm pretty sure I could average between three and 400,000 words a year. I'm just saying. So anyway, my mother made somebody cry today. But it's my fault. Right? That's right. Because two of my writer friends have already called me and said, Did you tell so-and-so that you don't like her? I was like, No, I did not. My mother did. And I couldn't. And then she asked me point blank to my face. And then both of my friends busted out laughing because they know I can't lie to somebody's face to save my life. It is written all over my face. I'm big lying liar who's lying to you right now. It's written all over my face. There's just no... There you go. Going to be fun. We have a writing group on Sunday... That's going to be awkward. I can't wait to see how that fucking goes. But I'm not mad. I'm kind of mad. Um, But, you know, it's just, it's my mother. And when your mother gets to a certain age and she says these things, and I can't even blame a stroke because she hasn't had a stroke that I'm aware of. And what am I supposed to do with this? Anyways, sorry, we're six minutes into the podcast. I guess we can begin the topic. Tonight's topic is about flashbacks and information dumping. Um, Someone had listened to last night's podcast where I said that I thought flashbacks were a terrible, no good, bad idea. And um, and they are a terrible, no good, bad idea. And I don't. I did them when I was young and stupid. Um, I'm not saying you're stupid if you do them. That is not what I'm saying. I'm saying when I did them, I was stupid. And when it comes to, like, the writing process that I share with you and then the ways that I do things and the things that I think, these are my opinions and my and my methods. They're by no means written in gold anywhere. They're not the gospel of Kira. I mean, you know, I might write one eventually, but currently it's not the gospel. And for those of you who missed the first five minutes, I wasn't talking about craft. I was talking about my mother. And you can um, listen to it after the podcast is finished. You didn't miss anything. I did that on purpose since I announced so late because blog talk fucked me up. Anyways, um, talking about flashbacks uh, and how uh, to um, use them effectively, uh, first... If you're going to use a flashback, you must do it only once. 
you get one shot at a flashback as far as I'm concerned as a reader. You only get one. And I will read that first one. I will read the first flashback you give me as a writer. I won't read your um, your second one or your third one or your fourth one. Now let me tell you why you're putting flashbacks in your story. If you do more than one flashback in your story, you have started your story at the wrong point. You're not telling the story you need to be telling, and you need to back up and tell another. One of the most interesting things about Harry Potter is how J.K. Rowling handled flashbacks in the form of memories. They were they were not active, but your characters were viewing them like a movie or a TV show or whatever, and it made it very interesting and easy to consume as a reader. But when you're doing a genuine flashback on your over and over again, these flashbacks kind of pile up, and it slows, it destroys your pace. It doesn't slow your pace down. It absolutely destroys your pa- um, your pace. It's completely gone. You have taken, it, it disrupts your scene structure. It, um, it moves your characters into a place that's not viable for your reader. Uh, the only legit reason you would do a flashback it would be something like with with um, events that took place 20 or 30 years ago that your character um, has to be told about by somebody else. They They have to be informed of these things, which is why these memories in Harry Potter worked so well, because they were memories and Harry could move around in them and they weren't... Um, it was a fresh method, and, and it was very um, in the moment, and it didn't feel like your entire the, the entire story was stopping and rewinding, because that's the last thing you want to do to your reader. It's so boring. And flashbacks are frankly a crutch, and if you're using them over and over and over again, you're telling the wrong story, and you need to stop. You need to stop, and this is my opinion. This is just my opinion, okay? I will read your first flashback. I will not read any of the others. And I rarely encounter a reader who disagrees with me on this. I skip flashbacks. I often will skip, like, newspaper articles, which is why you'll notice that in my um, in my stories, I rarely ever include the content of the actual article. Sometimes it'll be somebody reading it, you know, just the parts that matter to somebody else, or it'll be just the, the, the headline itself, and then the, the, the POV character will do a summary in their thoughts for you as the reader, because that's boring. It's boring as fuck. Letters... Use them sparingly. I I had to use them in Birth of the Serpent King because of where I started my story, and I had to fill in a little back, and I didn't want to do flashbacks because I'll avoid flashbacks like, like I avoid 
people who come to my door to sell me Jesus. I will definitely avoid flashbacks on that level. So sometimes I'll resort to letter writing. But otherwise, I give my readers information through dialogue and through discussion and conversations with the the characters. And one way I have um, been introducing new information in Harry Potter and the Soulmate Bond is during um, Percy's trial, you learned a lot about what is happening outside of Hogwarts that wasn't um, happening in view of Harry or Hermione, which are my main two characters for point of view in that story. I rarely ever move away from them. So they don't see or events that are happening outside of Hogwarts so you as the reader aren't being exposed to them but one of the ways as a writer I was giving the reader information was pushing it through the trial and through testimony and you learn different things and then I had a couple scenes here and there that were from somebody else's point of view to give an outside perspective which I think is super important when um you've got a story as big as Harry Potter and the Soulmate Bond, It to give it structure, sometimes you have to step outside your normal POV characters and do a framing. And so oftentimes, Sirius or Harry's vassals um, act as a frame for the outside world. So you're seeing things from their point of view and their perspective. And Minerva, of course, is also a really good frame because... From an outside perspective, their relationship is viewed very differently than than how they themselves view it. And so framing it with other points of view is, is beneficial in that um, range. But I'm also very, very careful not to do it often. So that's um, just something that you can do as far as... Um, you can do when you're uh <laughs> I'm sorry I got totally distracted by somebody in the chat room <laughs> nobody got notified that was the problem it was a blog talk thing I scheduled it earlier but it wasn't even showing up in my schedule so it was really weird but when I came in here to do it I was able to do a tweet like a minute before it started so and that's why everything's kind of off tonight my bad um anyways uh the 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 flashback thing and what I said last night I totally mean it I totally mean it I hate flashbacks I rarely give a writer more than one shot at writing a flashback before I skip it and if I encounter a third flashback in your story I'm closing it because if you can't deliver to me the content of your story and shape it in a way where you don't have to crutch continuous flashbacks I don't want to read your work don't take it personally that's just how I feel as a reader. I I really hate them. I really, really hate them. I hate them, in fact, so much that I wouldn't be opposed to an author note right in the middle of your fucking story with a summary of the flashback. And you know how I feel about author notes in the middle of a story. 
That's just stupid. But I'd make an exception for the flashbacks. Flashback summary. Dot, dot. Summary. James Potter was actually a bully and a git. <laughs> but it's written from... But this is discriminated from Snape's point of view, and you know he can't be trusted. Period. End of flashback summary. <laughs> I'm just saying, I would much prefer that than actually having to read the whole flashback. It's just, it's so annoying, and I will skip them. And I don't know many readers who won't. I think that oftentimes when you engage two characters and one of them is telling the other a story, it's very easy to fall into that desire to do a flashback, but... Like I said, when you when you insert a flashback into your story, you destroy your pace. Your pace is obliterated by what you've done. And then you have to build back up. Otherwise, you get this abrupt and weird um, storytelling thing going on. It's just, it's, it's jarring. It's going to throw your reader out of your story. They're going to have to catch up. Sometimes they might even have to back up before the the flashback to see where they were in the scene then skip the flashback to get back where they were to figure out what's happened especially if it's a long flashback so do be careful with them um it's better to have a conversation between two characters um than to have a flashback it is better to it's just it's really boring It's really, really super boring. And um, it's your choice. As a writer, you make these choices for your story. And if you're prepared to destroy your pace in order to crutch on this flashback, then that is your choice. And you're more than, I mean, I'm not saying you can't do it. I'm just saying I won't read it. (laughs) And I'm probably not alone. And that is the problem. That's when it becomes a problem because if you're, giving your reader information they need in a flashback but 90% of your readers are going to skip the flashback then you've totally wasted your time delivering this information this way because your reader isn't going to read it to begin with a lot of readers skip letters I actually had that come up with a commenter on um, Harry Potter, and it was uh, it was part of the Serpent King because um, Harry and Draco exchanged a few letters, and it had d- data in it that the reader needed. And I had a reader email me and ask me several questions, it made me realize she actually had skipped the letters in the story because the qu- the questions that she was asking me were actually answered in the letters. And that's what I told her. I was like, you need to go back and read the letters that you skipped. You'll find all your answers in those. And um, so I know she wasn't the only one to have skipped the letters in in Birth of the Serpent King, but she is the one that I know about because she emailed me with questions. So having knowing that, that you have readers that are going to skip your flashback, you have to balance that with your desire to write one knowing that you're going to give your reader information in this flashback that your reader's not going to receive because they're going to skip your flashback. And even if they don't skip your first one, 
they are definitely going to skip your second one. And if there's a third one, click. I wish I had statistics on it. I wish we could, like, do a survey and say, how often do you close a story by the third flashback? Because it's just a curiosity of mine, because I will not read it. If I encounter more than one flashback, I get really frustrated by the third one. I am closing the story. I don't care. I'm not ever reading it again. How dare you? I mean, it's just, it's like, oh, what is wrong with you? Dreams are an interesting way to give information to your reader that your reader will find interesting. Readers really are really interested in dream sequences, as long as you don't use them too much. Too much of anything is a problem, whether it be dreams or flashbacks or letters or newspaper articles or ever how you're delivering information in bulk. And let's be honest, this actually becomes information dumping, which we know is a story killer. Um, especially uh, newspaper articles and letters, they are big, huge information dump tools. And sometimes um, you literally have no choice beyond starting your story in a different place. Now, in lieu of writing the letters that I wrote in The Birth of the Serpent King, I could have started that story the night of the third task. And if I had done that, I would have had to write Lucius Malfoy being murdered. And Harry witnessing that and experiencing that. And I couldn't do it. I tried. I actually had several drafts where I tried to write that scene. And I would get to the scene, the, the part where Lucius would turn on Voldemort. And every single time I had to stop. I could not write it. I could not write that scene. So um, what happened is, is the information that I knew about that scene that I had plotted ended up uh, going into Harry's testimony before the Goblin Court. I think that memories in m memory viewing, pensive memories in Harry Potter is actually an excellent tool. But again, overusing it will be boring. Um, I think that if you frame it just right, it can have a great deal of impact, but if it's happening over and over and over again, it's going to be terrible. It's going to be so terrible. It's going to be so boring. So your goal is, as a writer, and even though I'll tell you every day of the week and four times on Sunday, it is not your job to cater to your reader's desires you do want your reader to be entertained because if you didn't, you wouldn't put your work online. I do want my work to be read and I want it to be readable. Um, I don't care if someone doesn't like it for one reason or another, uh, but I do like to present my work in a very readable fashion in a way that is easy to grasp and it moves quickly and it's formatted well and my pacing is good and my character's motivations are clear. I'm a big one on that. Today I got some feedback, criticism um, that I didn't ask for. Uh, wanting to know why I always wrote Super Powered Harry and wouldn't it be nice if he had a villain that was actually, you know, a threat to him. And I didn't answer that part of their I delete. Uh, but I do have a question in general for, for that. 
why should I be required to write a villain on par with Harry Potter when the original author didn't bother to? I mean, let's be frank. Voldemort, now if you follow the prophecy all the way through, Harry Potter and Voldemort are equals. Voldemort was touted as the most powerful wizard on earth. Everyone but Dumbledore feared him. And because Dumbledore didn't fear him, Voldemort feared Dumbledore because Voldemort feared feared the unknown. Never once was it implied that even Dumbledore was Voldemort's equal. But Harry Potter was. Now once Voldemort's gone, you have Harry Potter. He's killed his equal. So anytime you write a story based on the canon events and the prophecy and Harry wins, then Harry has no equal magically on earth. Prophecy and fate tell you that. But even really, Potter was Voldemort's equal at 17. Which means that Harry Potter at 30 is more. There's knowledge, there's experience, there's maturation to take into consideration. So when you write um, a story like Blank Space, which is a romance, not an action-adventure, not a case file, it's just a romance, um, there's no point in trying to carve out a villain that's Harry's equal because there isn't one. He's already dead. But more to the point, why should I bother when J.K. Rowling didn't? I mean, really? In, in canon, J.K. Harry didn't even kill Voldemort in canon. Voldemort killed himself with a backfired curse, just like when in the very beginning he killed himself with a fir- he killed he disembodied himself with a backfired curse. I'm just saying. Anyways, just a little irritation I had today. <laughs> Okay, but um, I uh, sometimes I encounter readers in the Harry Potter fandom that want me to write um, more action-oriented stories, and I don't write action. I don't write action-oriented stories. I don't write adventure. I don't write high fantasy. I write romance. I'm a romance writer, so that's what's going to happen. And if you don't like romance, you need to hit the road because that's all I'm going to be doing. That's what I like to explore. I have no interest in exploring anything else. That's just the way it's going to be. Across the board. Anyways. Back to flashbacks and um, letters and just, I think flashbacks are a gimmick and they are a gimmick that can backfire on you like whoa. And once your story goes that far off the rails, it's very difficult to get back. You lose your pace. You're, you're going to confuse your reader. Your, your your characters are going to be off. 
especially one of the worst things I ever read was that I read this book, and I won't tell you what it is, but there was this huge flashback in it. I think this flashback must have been 5,000 words. But by the end of it, when you get out of the flashback, the main character, the flashback has actually made the main character out of character in present. Like, actions that took place in the flashback didn't impact him emotionally or physically. And you're thinking to myself, how the fuck, what? That's not how that works. That's not how any of this works. And then suddenly you're unfriending the author on Facebook. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> it just... Events have ramifications. And if you put uh, really heinous, emotionally damaging um, impact events in your flashback, and then you fast forward six months later and your character's moving along, la da 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 like nothing ever happened. Come on. Come on, that's not how that works. It really isn't. Anyways, be careful with flashbacks. Be careful with letters. Be careful with newspaper articles. Um, when you're having a, a conversation where you're required to unload a lot of information, put um, physical movement in it, um, have an exchange happen between your characters, don't have one character do all the talking, have the other character ask questions, have them respond to to what they're being told, move them around, um, maybe involve a meal, or, you know, just um, kind of break it up and set a scene, and remember, in we were talking about scenes earlier, your where, your when, your who, and your why, and it will um, create a much richer environment for your reader to be in, and they won't be so bored out of their mind with what you're doing. That's just my thoughts on that. That's my opinion, as always. Um, I'm sorry for those of you who came in late and it was weird. I, I don't know what happened with Blog Talk. I wasn't actually home until like 9.30, um, which is like 30 minutes before the cast. And I had no idea that it, that it hadn't posted a, um, a notification. And it wasn't showing up on my schedule either. So uh, I don't know. And also it didn't do the right intro music either. So it's just it's just a bad night for Blog Talk. Anyways, you guys have a good evening, and tomorrow we're going to talk about, I don't know. I'm going to make Azure pick the topic tomorrow. Be thinking about it, heart. It's all on you. <laughs> I, oh, there's a question. What about a, in sci-fi with a device seeing into the past? I don't think that's really any different than the pensive. Again, you have to frame it very carefully, and um, you also have to use it sparingly. With with any method by which you are information dumping, you have to use it sparingly. Otherwise, you're going to bore your reader to tears, and then they're going to quit reading your work, and then you will have lost your audience. And if you're an audience of one, that's not a big deal. But if you're 
posting online and several thousand people read it and they all get mad at you and they all email you, oh, God, Kira, what were you thinking? What the hell was that? That was 2,000 words of flashback. I thought you hated that. Why did you do it? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm just saying that anytime you, uh, I actually have had whiny ass emails that sounded just like that. I, I swear to Thor. I swear on Thor's hammer. That's right. Um, just use these gimmicks sparingly because you're they're going to come back to bite you in one way or another, whether you've lost your audience or whether or not you um, have a uh, a pacing issue or you destroy the momentum of of your of your characters moving through your plot, and suddenly everything's at a standstill and your readers bored as hell and they close click because. There are a thousand things online they could be reading instead. So if you want their attention, you have to um, be entertaining. And flashbacks get quickly boring. Just saying. Okay. Azure will be talking. What's it? We thinking about a topic for tomorrow? She will be announcing it on Facebook. I'm sure. Okay, unless it's porn. Yeah, if you want to do a flashback full of porn, I'll read it. I'll read the hell out of porn because porn. Porn's always a good flashback. Porn. Show me the cock. <laughs> and on that note, good night. <laughs>